Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, it's time for you to tell me what's what in our weekly Clark Stinks segment. Then I'm going to talk about two of my favorite things, robots and convenience stores. So Clark Stinks is something that's been part of our drill for more than 20 years. Because I'm just a guy and there are times that the advice, the information, the opinion that I'll give you may feel is lame short-sighted, inaccurate, just plain wrong. Or, you know, I need to hear that because we all learn together from each other. So if you go to clark.com slash Clark Stinks, you can post where you feel I've missed the mark. And then weekly on the podcast, producer Krista reads highlights from your posts on clark.com slash Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. We are going to start with a follow-up from last week. This is from Brandy. She says, Clark doesn't stink, but those forever stamp sellers sure do. The reason they're listed in the arts and crafts department is because while they are actual forever stamps, they are used stamps, cut off envelopes that have already been through the mail. Their only value is for arts and crafts as you are not allowed to reuse stamps even if they didn't get canceled. Anyone who tries to reuse stamps also stinks. The post office is in dire financial straits and people who willingly defraud them to save 55 cents, it's just unbelievable. Okay, I wanna thank you so much, Brandy, because we didn't know what the angle was on that. That's really great to give us the update that people are selling them as a novelty item, not as actual real postage. Okay, and this is from Robert. I wouldn't be so hard on T-Mobile requiring 12 debit card transactions to get a higher rate of interest. It's pretty much the industry's standard operating procedure. I myself have been a member of two credit unions that require the same thing. Just know that under this system, Dollar Tree is your friend. I will, I will also use the self-checkout at the grocery store and break up my purchases into small groups for separate processing. I easily reach the 12 transactions within the first few days at the start of the month. Well, thank you very much for that post, Robert. And so the deal is uh, the T-Mobile money change where they're mimicking others, where they took away the high rate of interest unless you jump through the hoops is just that T-Mobile has always been about simplicity and they took what had been a clean, straight deal and ate it up. Uh, the other T-Mobile change recently under their new leadership is T-Mobile was offering a plain, simple uh, streaming TV deal and they got no traction with it at all. And that is being discontinued as well. So if you use 
the T-Mobile TV product, you're going to find out soon that it is no more. There's a lot of transition going on at T-Mobile under its new CEO, and hopefully they will not become like the former CEO used to refer to AT&T and Verizon as dumb and dumber. Hopefully (laughs) T-Mobile will not end up dumb, dumber, and dumbest as part of the big three cell phone carriers. When giving advice to the listener on a cross-country move, why didn't you mention storage pods? We used a storage pod for our move from Austin to Atlanta in 2017, and it was the best decision. We scheduled everything online when we needed the pod, when they could pick it up, after it was packed, and when we needed it delivered to our apartment. Lastly, when we went to pick it up after we were unpacked. If I remember correctly, the total was about $1,400. We hired someone from TaskRabbit to help us neatly and efficiently pack the pod in Austin. And that was about $100 because it was 105 degrees that day. What a saint. I can't remember if insurance coverage was included with the pod or if our renter's insurance covered our possessions. That will be an item for any listener to investigate. But I think a pod would be much less stressful for anyone doing a regional or cross-country move. Sarah. Sarah, I love your idea. You know, the idea with the pods is it's kind of a cross between self and full service, a more limited service kind of way of doing a move. And if you're up to it, and in your case, you then hired the TaskRabbit people to do some of the what would have been self-service part along with you. If you're up to it, that is a great alternative and one that I failed to mention. Another one about buying used furniture. I work in a tropical country part of the year, part of the year, and some people frequently ask me to bring them wooden masks as a souvenir. I always say no because not only does it contribute to deforestation, but a colleague once brought home a wooden idol. He then had to find an exterminator to deal with termites in Winnipeg in January. <laughs> Hopefully that's not an issue with most used furniture, but termite damage is definitely something to look for before you bring any wood into your home. Thank you to you and your team for all your advice, Jen. Jen, thank you. I mean, every possible angle, people have been upset with me about the used furniture thing. The bed bugs would freak me out. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, and it it's a terrible problem how much waste of furniture there is in the country you know that we throw out virtually as much furniture each year as we buy and that does seem pretty wasteful as to the spinoff issues like you brought up and as we have before i don't have answers to those and that's why i appreciate your posts i recall you complaining about the price of periodontics on your show in my mind i was thinking wow this toothpaste must cost eight to fifteen dollars a tube Curiosity got the best of me, and I logged on to Walgreens.com to check it out. I understand prices may vary a bit by location, but at my local store, it's $5.89 for a 3.4-ounce tube. I do see a lot of Crest around $3 a tube, but the higher-end Crest products are priced in line with Peridontex, as are products such as Sensodyne or Burt's Bees. And Peridontex is still a lot less than some brands. I'm just surprised you would make such a stink about a product that may maybe costs a couple of dollars more than the competition at most. On another note, when researching the prices, the 3.4 ounce tube sells for $5.89. The value two pack with two 3.4 ounce tubes costs $12.99 or $6.50 a tube. How is that a value, Jamie? Jamie, that's funny. And obviously that is not a value. And so for me, I've been using for years and years and years, I've been using AIM toothpaste, which cost me for a five and a half ounce 
tube of toothpaste, 88 cents typically. So it was quite a bit of sticker shock for me going to the periodontax. But my hygienist insists that when I come in for my cleaning, my gums are in much better shape. So I shouldn't complain about the five and a half bucks or so for the small tube of periodontax. There were also a couple of people who wrote in saying that periodontax um, has some scary ingredients. So I'll just leave that up for people to decide. Clark, this is skunk level stank. You keep saying that paying off student loans and such shouldn't have a negative effect on your score, but this is wrong and I have evidence. Sure, if a student has multiple credit cards and other debt on their report starting freshman year of college, you would be correct in saying that paying off the loan won't hurt them. The problem is that most students don't have anything on their credit report and the student loan becomes the oldest form of debt on their profile. Therefore, when the last and oldest student loan is paid off, the individual suddenly goes through a massive point drop because the history gets skewed. And then they, they talk about how they've seen this happen with students. I've heard so many questions about this on your show, so I wanted to make sure you had the correct info. I have so much respect for what you do, and the fact that you encourage feedback is great. Kale. Kale, thank you. And so, yes, if you have virtually no lines of credit and you end up closing by paying off, one of your only remaining lines of credit, that can hurt you on your credit scoring multiple ways, not just the aging of your lines. And aging only uh, still exists for an item paid off, but it will not continue to age. It doesn't affect your average aging. Where it really hurts you is the amount of available credit you have in active lines. So, What I like for anyone to do when they've established decent credit is to make sure they follow my Noah's Ark rule and get two major credit cards, which is Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, get two of them from different issuers. In other words, don't get two cards from Chase or two from Citibank or two from American Express. You want to have two cards from two different issuers, which will help you with the available credit and the lines of credit establish credit over time and doing something like paying off a student loan, which is a great thing, won't come back to hurt you. Why are you advocating blackmail? When someone asked how to get out of a lease because a bullet came through their window, you basically told them to blackmail the landlord. The landlord has no way to prevent a stray round in the area. The tenant signed a lease that I'm sure has stipulations on how and when a lease can be broken. The tenant agreed to these terms and needs to stand by their word. These days of cancel culture are way out of hand. This is the direction you have sent the tenant. By standing in front of the complex and calling the media to try to drive away new customers, this tenant is directing their protests against another innocent party. They should be placing the blame on where it belongs. Pressure the police to do their jobs and keeping people secure. Bill. Thank you for your post, Bill. And yeah, so here's the thing in a lot of apartment complexes, the management does not take steps that when there are crime issues in the area or in the apartment complex itself to make it a safer living environment for somebody to be in the ability to live in a place without fear is a very important thing. And so I Understand what you're saying. The landlord did not cause criminals to exist. But there are things, particularly in an apartment complex, 
that a landlord can do that will help make a complex safer, such as having security gates that actually work at an entrance, having tall fencing around a complex. There are things they can do that will actually enhance the value of the apartment complex when people inside feel safer. In this case, the landlord is just like, not our problem. And I think it's necessary to draw a focus and attention when people don't feel safe where they live so that the owner of the property does what the owner can do to make it a safer environment. If what I suggest of picketing in front of an apartment complex on the weekends when people are coming to look seems where information picket where you say, um, ask me about the crime here or whatever, if you feel that that is, in your description, blackmail, I see it more as a pressure tactic to get the landlord to mitigate the risk to people's life and safety in the apartment complex. Now, I appreciate that post, and yes, there is more than one perspective on this, which I can tell you as a landlord myself. Next, I'm going to talk about new technology for you getting food and the pivot you're seeing pop up in convenience stores all over America. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. How you get food is going through such a major transition in the United States. And on this, we've trailed a lot of other places in the world. One area that is going to expand quite rapidly in cities and suburbs, not as much in rural areas, are robotic uh, cooking places where you will be able to go to a place that is unstaffed and order food that will be cooked by a robot. The idea is you eliminate lines. Uh, You will also find that a number of these robotic cooking centers will be app-supported where you will be able to order on your phone, and when you get there, your order will be ready at the robot. You punch in your code, and you'll get your food. This is as far from the intimate, joyous experience of sitting down for a meal of table service at a nice restaurant as you could be. But the idea is that you can get potentially very high-quality food from one of these robotic cooking centers that are basically, they look to the casual observer as glorified vending machines. I've seen these in Asia, and I've seen these in Europe. What's happened, though, is because of newer technology, 
these machines can make a lot more sophisticated food. I've started seeing some of these that are more limited appear in airport terminals, where in hub airports, when uh, outside of the pandemic, when huge numbers of people are running around changing planes, the lines at, at the food courts can be exceedingly long and people don't have time to get their food before they miss their connection. So these machines that look a lot like uh, modified vending machines can cook a pizza in a hurry or heat up pasta for you. And you, you pick your pasta style, you pick your sauce, whatever, and bam, it's right in front of you in just a couple of minutes. These kind of things are going to be very much part of life in neighborhoods. I've seen them in Europe where you walk down a sidewalk and 24 hours a day, you can go up to a machine and they're, they're limited in, based on the technology of the robotic cooking center, what items that are available. But you go up and you say, okay, I'll take this. And they, you can pick your language, which is important in Europe. And you pick the item and comes out and the food is decent. It's not, um, even with the high quality ingredients, it's not gourmet like going to a fancy restaurant. But it is something that we're going to see more of because of the ability to offer it around the clock and the reduced labor costs to get the price points of the food much more affordable. That's so Jetsons. Well, you know, a lot of people have only seen these where they offer sweets. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, have you seen the cupcake Yes, of machines? course. I, I saw one in St. Louis in one of the airport terminals there that uh, I was especially interested in it because it was this fancy ice cream ah. where you go and you push all these buttons and it makes your combo of ice cream for you right before your eyes. Do you know I never bought one though? You know why? Too much money? Yes, of oh, course yeah, it I- was too much money. Now the other thing happening is how convenience store operators realize that they can't live by gasoline anymore that the consumption of gasoline in the United States has peaked and is only going to decline as people migrate to electric vehicles. And all the really um, well-organized, well-run chains are converting their insides to having fresh food. And some of the ones in the mid of the country, the eastern part of the country, are way ahead on this with Wawa, Sheets, Quick Trip, among others, putting in kitchens, you order on your phone, on an app, or you order at a computer terminal, and each chain is doing different types of food, experimenting with different kinds of things. These are not just hot dogs rolling on a griller anymore that have been there for a zillion hours. This is like um, not necessarily gourmet food, but affordable food that better be tasty and quality or people are not coming back again. So the, one of the things that's happening simultaneously is the effect on how you get uh, quick food ready to eat because of the pandemic and because of technology. And then, of course, the conversion of the country's vehicle fleet that will be much more rapid than people realize from gasoline to electric is going to change the nature and purpose of how convenience stores survive or don't. 
Okay, let's get to some questions. Liz in Florida says, my husband and I bought our house in 2000 for $240,000. We're considering selling it this year, and the realtor said we would be able to sell it for $500,000 to $550,000. I'm concerned about capital gains tax. We've spent more than $100,000 in the house for a new roof, air conditioning, remodeling the kitchen, bathrooms, wood and tile floors, etc. Do we deduct these expenses plus closing costs to determine capital gains? Liz, you are going to be ecstatic with the answer to your question. As a married couple, you are entitled to $500,000 in tax-free gains on the sale of a personal residence as long as you meet the ownership cycle required and all that. You meet that easily. Your home could sell for a few hundred thousand dollars more easily and you would still pocket all the gain tax-free. Again, a quarter million dollars for an individual, 500000 for a couple, and that gain, in your case, completely goes in your pocket. Bridget in Missouri says, I spoke with Clark back in 2016, and he was impressed on how my parents taught me so much good saving and frugal money strategies. Since then, my father has passed away. I miss him every day, and he was my go-to to bounce ideas and get advice, etc., I don't know what to do with the investments he left me. My sister and I are getting in touch with a financial advisor, but I don't know what questions to ask. Please help. Bridget, uh, I'm really sorry about your loss of your dad and how you have to deal with the loss of him emotionally and then also the guidance that he provided you. So as you go to hire a professional, you want to make sure that that person is legally a fiduciary. Do not even consider meeting with a financial planner, financial advisor who is not legally a fiduciary and signs a legal agreement with you that he or she is a fiduciary. What a fiduciary means is that they are legally required to do what's in your best interest. Unfortunately, most people out there giving financial advice are actually not a fiduciary, and they will give you advice that they are legally allowed to give you that is to their benefit and not necessarily yours. Their benefit instead uh, is a result of huge commissions and kickbacks that they may earn. So you only want to hire, keyword, a fiduciary. You can likely find one pretty easily at Garrett Planning Network, And the other place would be um, NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Even if you go through one of those two organizations and find people local to you, you also must make sure that they are legally signing with you a fiduciary agreement before you spend the first minute with them. The advice you'll receive will come one of two ways, either on an hourly fee basis or if you allow them to manage the money for you, they will typically charge you 1% of the money that they manage for you each year as a management advisory fee. There are much cheaper options available if you just want guidance on what to invest the money in, if that's the limit of what you're really interested in, with Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab. And we have a new review for you at Clark.com of how financial advice works from any of these three very large financial houses. All right, brace yourself for this one, Clark. 
Josette in Florida wrote in and said, I'm 77 and a car dealer sold me a new 2020 Honda Fit. I told him what I could spend, but long story short, I ended up at a payment of $521. He says he can't get me out of it. I've had it since January of 2021. I told him that my social security is all I have to pay my bills at $1,600. The loan is $31,000 for 72 payments. Please help me get out of this bad situation. Josette, that is hideous that the dealer did this to you. And you have very, very limited options how to get out of this Honda Fit loan. Because you were way, 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 way upside down in that fit. There's no way if your entire amount of income you have to live on is your bills are 1600 That's all you got is your Social Security. I know this sounds unbelievable. No one will believe I'm suggesting it. But you may need to do a voluntary repossession where you contact the vehicle lender and turn the vehicle back into them. Uh, the lender will have the right in many states to come after you for what's known as deficiency, the loss that they suffer taking that fit and reselling in the marketplace. However, if you have no assets, you're a renter, uh, you live month to month off of what you receive from Social Security, there will be no issue for you from deficiency. And so I... I don't know another way for you to deal with this untenable situation, and it's awful that the dealer took advantage of you this way. Now, it may be you live in the state of Florida that has very specific laws on elder abuse, and what the dealer has done may qualify under Florida law as an example of elder abuse. And Florida has a Department of Elder Affairs. There's a toll-free number. We're going to email you to contact them and see if what's happened to you qualifies as elder abuse under the laws in the state of Florida that would force the dealer to unwind this transaction for knowingly causing harm to a 77-year-old woman. Terrible. You know, we hear so many wonderful things about people. Mm -hmm. We hear terrible stories as well. The goal is to give you the knowledge to empower you so that you don't get abused. And I want you to know when you need advice about buying a vehicle new or used, I have very specific information about the ways to protect your wallet on my vehicle buying guide at Clark.com. 